don't look back because the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harrods here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was a good day, really a resilient day for our markets as we head into the end of the week here. Uh, so I'll get to the markets here in a minute. But first, a heads up, the markets are closed tomorrow, at least here in the U.S., for Good Friday. So happy Good Friday to everyone out there. And while the market is closed tomorrow, we will still be getting back the much-anticipated April jobs report. Kind of rare that we get a jobs report on a day where the market uh, is closed. Uh, so I know a lot of people are trying to get positioned ahead of that right now. But it's also an important uh, jobs report because it's the last jobs report that we will get before the next FOMC meeting. That will take place May 2nd and 3rd, so first week of May. Uh, so we've got a little less than a month now for the Fed, which is a pro and a con. Uh, part of the good good news there is that soon we'll be approaching the Fed blackout period where we won't have to hear any of the Fed presidents speak. That's always a nice, peaceful time there. Um, <clears throat> but then we also, between now and then, we got a few other uh, key pieces of economic data, but we've already seen weaker economic data this week. On Tuesday, we got fewer job openings than expected, weaker manufacturing numbers from Tuesday as well. So if we get a weaker than expected jobs report tomorrow, that would increase the odds of the Fed pausing right now. The odds are already in that favor. The latest Fed expectations are roughly, last I saw, a 60% chance that the Fed will pause. So the majority view right now, 40% chance roughly of a 25 basis point hike in the next meeting. So the question now is, will the Fed, the U.S. Fed, join other countries like Australia, Canada, India, who have already decided that they were going to pause, at least for right now. So will the U.S. Fed be next? Uh, if you've been tuning in with us here for a while, then you know that we certainly think that they should be next. And in reality, you know, should have stopped a couple of rate hikes ago or shouldn't have gone to the extent that they did with the 75 basis point rate hikes. That was unnecessary for a few reasons. And what we said from the very beginning, right when they were doing it, and now it's become a very mainstream topic is the lag effect. That the full effect of rate hikes are not felt for a full year, 12 months after they're implemented. So just now we're getting to the one year mark on when the Fed began raising rates. We're just past it. And already we're seeing banks break, right? Silicon Valley Bank, others that may not have been well-run businesses to begin with, but that's what the Fed wanted. They were going to do it until they broke something because the Fed couldn't wait wait to get back to easy money policies. And the easiest way to get back there is to break something and have people come asking the Fed to solve their problems, right? So they created the issue. Well, one, let's go further back. They created this issue on inflation with outrageous money printing. Then they sold us the solution of rate hikes. Then the rate hikes broke things. So they step back in with more easy money. We reported on that here as well. They've already given back half of their quantitative tightening from the last year. So six months of that work is now out the window. And just that, and that's really happened in about two weeks from two weeks ago. So 
<laughs> you can see they're very ready to get back to that type of policy. Uh, and believe me, we don't like arguing for the easy money policies here. That would be exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for us to buy that solution. But we also have to be realists. And that's the this is the financial system that we live in. It's exactly why we wrote our latest book, The Big Bribe. This is the financial engineering that we talked about in there. It's what we're witnessing right now as the Fed and the Treasury stepped up with their new bank term, uh, bank lending program to step in and bail out these banks. Uh, also, and don't forget, I was just reminded about this, uh, having dinner with a friend of mine that the Fed Now program, which is essentially the beginning of the Fed's CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency System, is being rolled out later this year as well. Uh, so even easier for people, for the Fed to get people money. Now, makes it makes quantitative easing that much easier. And again, we don't have to like it. We certainly don't. But it's the system that we live in. So at the end of the day, we have to keep inflating away our debt. That's how the Treasury and the Fed see it. That's the only way that this house of cards stays afloat. The biggest fear they have is deflation. Because with a deflationary environment, you start to see defaults on debt. And they can't have that. There would be hell to pay for that. So... There still will be hell to pay one day as we keep inflating the way that we have. But as Kip talked about here often, people have been saying for 40 years that the debt was going to break our system. And one day they will be right. No doubt about that. But in our view, today is not that day. And it's an extremely day, extremely difficult day to try to predict. Uh, so as long as the Fed keeps printing and keeps inflating, we know that the only way to protect ourselves is to own assets, whether that's equities, real estate, physical gold and silver, or your favorite cryptos, right? That's the only way to defend yourself against inflation. Uh, so <laughs> the next, let's switch it up a little bit here. Let's get to our markets on today. Some of the positives here. Again, very resilient day from our major indexes. We started moving lower out of the gate this morning, but we we're able to rally into the close, not quite back to the highs of the day, uh, but a good close from the morning's trading. Uh, <clears throat> again, serious resilience, finishing higher across the board here. NASDAQ leading the way up 0.76% to 12,087. Let me get a quick refresh here. Make sure I got the, the latest. Uh, the One thing that we have seen this week was the semis lagging. We got that again today with the semis down three-tenths of 1%. So not what you want to see, but the semis are coming off of a fresh 11-month high there. And they were getting to overbought levels. Uh, and I'll, I'll touch on this here in a minute. But this is the kind of dips that we like to buy here. Uh, not saying it's done yet necessarily. Uh, but, and, but longer term, we remain extremely bullish on the semis as a whole. So any dip buying... Uh, we believe will be rewarded by the end of the year. Uh, next up was the S&P 500 up 0.36% to 4,105. After that, small caps up just over one-tenth of 1% 1 to 1,754. And finally, the Dow was the laggard on the day, basically flat up 0.01% or two and a half points uh, to 33,485. But again, just like our other major indexes, finished well off the lows of the day. And I'll point out here, the Dow is our only major index to finish higher on the week. Now making three weeks of gains in a row for the Dow here. That, that's good to see, especially when we have seen some weakness in the transports this week. 
right? We talk about Dow theory here a lot. If one's hitting a 52-week high, the other's going to follow. If one's heading lower, the other typically follows as well. Uh, so on a, on a week with the transports finishing lower, good to see the Dow finish higher. And I will point out the transports, uh, while they did finish down on the week, were able to rally a little bit here today, getting back above their 200-day moving average, dipped below it yesterday and today, but closing out the week above that important psychological level there. Um, <clears throat> so again, all of our major indexes were down on the week except for the Dow, but it was a good close to the week. And we're also seeing better action globally as well. And as we talk about here often, new highs begets new highs. So if we're seeing fresh 52-week highs, we'll take it. And this week we got it from the European countries, actually. Uh, the DAX, Germany, hit a 52-week high this week. The Euro stocks 50 hitting a 52-week high this week. And again, I say that because 52-week highs are not a bearish occurrence. Once you start to see those, and we have a lot of our sectors here in the U.S. approaching fresh 52-week highs as well, a lot of stocks approaching fresh 52-week highs, even with a little bit of a sell-off that we saw this week. Uh, but we want to see that continue. So good to see European indexes doing that this week. Uh, and kind of overall to wrap this up here, we continue to see that 2023 has all of the makings for a great year for our markets. All of the technical symbol, symbol, <laughs> signals that I just laid out there, whether it's being above their 200-day moving average, uh, golden crosses that we saw earlier this year, and then uh, to the, the seasonality side, the third year of a presidential year, the pre-election year, is the best year for the markets. And right now we're inside of one of the most bullish time frames inside of that year. We've gone through all of those analytics a lot. We've written, written them up a lot as well. If you want to check them out on our blog at kipherridge.com, uh, got some great data up there on why this should be such a strong year for our markets. And it already has been. Next up, looking at our internals on the day, similar to our markets, we saw a, a lot of red on the screen from the internals earlier in the session, but we got improvement as the day went on. So we finished today positive uh, for most of our internals, actually. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. Not by a lot, you know, no two to one readings here, but still really good to see both finishing positive after being negative earlier in the session. 52 week highs and lows, a bit of a lagging indicator that we've talked about here because it's a cumulative number. Uh, so we don't know how many of these stocks finished at those 52 week lows uh, or were able to rally off of them. Uh, so today, really almost about even for the NYSE. Uh, so not bad readings there, but almost three to one negative for the NASDAQ, which looks bad on the surface, but it was improvement from yesterday's trading. Lastly here, volume coming in positive for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. So again, resilience uh, is, is the key for closing out this week, especially ahead of that jobs report tomorrow and the fact that people won't be able to trade around that jobs report. And interestingly here, we are seeing sentiment get back to the bullish side. The AAII uh, sentiment survey came out yesterday, showed bulls week over week up 11%. That's off of one of the worst readings of the years for bulls. Now we're almost back to even. Last week, 22% of investors were bullish. 45% of investors were bearish. 
We almost met in the middle this week. Now, again, 33% of investors bullish to 35% bearish. Now, that's not a real concern for us here. Once we start getting to the point like we just saw with bears, where you're seeing 50% plus, 48% plus, week after week after week of more bullish than bearish investors, that's when we'll start looking for a top. But as you can see from today, we're still a long way off from that. And you can imagine that any bit of a sell-off would quickly hit, hit hurt that number. Investors are very finicky right now. Uh, any sell-off has seen all sentiment surveys plummet as soon as they began. Uh, so no, again, no concerns there, but we are seeing sentiment improve, which is not a bad thing. With record levels of cash on the sidelines, that will get people to start coming in. As this market continues to move higher, that money on the sidelines adds fuel to the fire. All right, next up, looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with eight out of our 11 sectors, S&P 500 sectors higher on the day, led by communication services. And speaking of near 52-week highs, it helps that the two largest holdings in this sector's ETF, Google being number one, which was up a big 3.78% on the day, it makes up like 23% of communication services. And the second, Meta, takes up 22%. So between the two of them, 45% of this portfolio. So you can see why it was up big today. Meta uh, hit an 11th month high today, up 2.2%, just right about that. Uh, so with both of those names up big, it makes sense that communication services led the way today. Uh, not bad to see at all. Tech leading, really, if you want to look at it from that point of view. We were followed there by utilities, real estate, and tech. Our laggards on the day were energy, materials, and industrials. So not bad seeing some of the defensive sectors being the ones to finish lower. And even the more defensive sectors like consumer staples just about flat on the day. Uh, so really strong day all around from where we were this morning. Uh, and finally for today, our VRA commodity watch gold now lower on the day by about six tenths of 1% to $2,023 an ounce still not far away at all from that all time high, which uh, is 2069, I want to say so really close there. But what we're seeing from this group under the surface is even better. Because we remain very bullish on gold and we got exactly what you want to see from this group today. That is the gold miners leading the way. You always want to see the producers outpacing the commodities, whether that's energy, could be silver, um, <clears throat> all really all over. It bodes well for the future direction. And today or on the week, check this out. GDX was up today, by the way, even with gold down. But GDX up 6.3% on the week. That's a 3 to 1 outperformance of gold. Gold was up 2% on the week. So again, exactly what we want to see from this group. Next up, silver up a quarter of a percent now to $25.10 an ounce. Uh, let me get, let me pull up one more chart here. That is, so the 52 or 11 month high there, it we're right at it right now for silver this is another group we like a lot um while gold is probably our favorite silver it might be the most undervalued i know it has been recently but that's worth digging into a little bit more here as well but big run here for silver uh, again that's about 11 month high there next up copper up just over six tenths of one percent to four dollars and one cents a pound uh and finally oil 
I'm taking a little pause today. This is a big week uh, for oil though now. Still hanging on to $80 a barrel here at uh, 80.50. I just want to get the weekly as well. Oil up 6.6% on the week. So strong, strong week there for oil. And finally for today, crypto. Bitcoin still trying to hang on to 28,000 of Bitcoin, down now 0.36% to 28,045 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Uh, again, the market is closed tomorrow, so have a great long weekend out there if you have one, at least, uh, at least for the markets. You got one. Um, we have a great Good Friday, great Easter weekend. Uh, we'll see you back here on Monday after the close.